On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, the last one of a long week for everybody, we're going to talk about something that is being thrown around out there, a rent strike. Don't pay your rent. Stick it to those landlords that are gouging you. Okay, it's an idea, but what about what happens to the landlords who aren't millionaires and are surviving on that rent? What happens to the entire domino situation in the economy? We'll talk about that one. We're also going to chat about music. You would think that with all this time and all this quiet and all this self-quarantine on people's hands, they would be turning to streaming of music in huge, huge, huge quantities. You'd be surprised. I was surprised. And where are they turning? Even more surprising, perhaps, to some of you. Oh, and we're going to talk about who is shining in this whole crisis and who is not shining in this crisis. Some people have really, people in groups have really made their mark and others, hmm, hmm, a little less so. Hmm. We'll do all that. Stick around. Enjoy. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. So many things uh, we've talked about this week that Bill has talked about on his show, Scott Thompson has talked about on his show. I mean, it has been uh, it has been information overload, I grant you. And for those of you who are regulars, I appreciate you being here. Hopefully this has been informative over the last number of days and number of weeks as well. One thing that has come up in the last day or two, though, that I just started hearing about, and it was something that, boy, it caught my attention, not because I'm a renter, but because this seems like something that could um, start to venture down a very dangerous domino effect path here. The idea of a rent strike that some tenants groups and tenants are proposing. I want to bring in our good friend Marvin Ryder from the DeGroote School of Business, who um, he's going to need, uh, when his birthday rolls around, he's going to need an extra large package of lozenges from all the interviews he does these days. Okay, so I've been reading about, all over the place now. It's, I think it started in the States, I'm not sure, but about the idea that uh, a lot of tenants are now saying, we're not paying our rent next month. Landlords are greedy buggers, and they are millionaires who own these buildings, and they're gouging us, and the government has said that we can't be evicted now. No one's allowed to be evicted. And so we are rising up and saying there will be no rent being paid next month on April 1st. There is now a rent strike. Can this, first of all, could this actually happen? Well, uh, never say never. Uh, we're into a, a world these days where almost anything seems to be possible. So it could certainly try to be organized. But I would try to discourage people from doing this. Yes, the government has said, uh, no, you won't be evicted. What they're doing that for is not to enable a rent strike. They're doing this for people who are out of work, uh, who are temporarily between a rock and a hard place, and we don't want you to suffer. Remember what the government is trying to do. They're trying to temporarily, basically, close down a big chunk of our economy so that we can weather this hurricane, which is uh, COVID-19. It's not meant for people to get you know, free rides or to get free something else. To give you a different example than your story, Scott, I've seen a number of posts on Facebook of, well, when am I going to get my money, a senior wrote, or when am I going to get my money, an ODSB person wrote. And I understand that you may be struggling to make ends meet, but you were struggling to make ends meet in January. What the government is trying to deal with right now are people who were not having any problems, who suddenly find themselves, thanks to COVID, 
between a rock and a hard place. That's why we have these emergency checks. That's why we've got these emergency subsidies. This is not the new way of the world. This is not going to be going any longer than it absolutely has to, but it's to try to bridge people to the other side. And so I would hope people would understand that many landlords, not all, there are big corporations, but if you bring this down to, say, to the students at McMaster University who rent rooms and houses, these aren't multimillionaires. These are often individuals who've saved a little extra money, thought they'd bring in a little extra revenue by buying a house and then renting it to other people. If, if we start to then totally break down the way our economy works, we're in worse shape than we've ever been before. Yeah, it does sound to me in some cases like some people are seeing this as the beginning of the revolution as opposed to uh, something we have to get by and then get back to some sense of normalcy. Uh, The executive director of the Federation of Metro Tenants Associations, this is in Toronto, uh, he told CTV he believes that all rents should be waived across Canada for the next couple months, which, again, goes to the point, uh, maybe that makes some kind of sense in some weird way if all landlords were the government but we but it's not you have people as you've described who are not all millionaires who as soon as you knock the first domino down other dominoes fall right well even even if they were large corporations they have probably financed the building that people are in through some form of debt they have obligations to pay if you're a renter you may not pay your hydro bill but your landlord sure does and even though we've reduced the hydro rates to the the lowest possible the the off-peak hours, there are still bills to be paid. And, and I think we need people to be thinking rationally. This is a bit like the, the horde mentality we saw for to, uh, toilet paper. This is not any time that anyone should be thinking about cashing in. I'm even worried about uh, take our government support programs. We've had a million people, one million people, sign up for employment insurance over the last 10 days. I hate to say this, Scott, but I'm sure some of those claims are false. These are people who are saying, well, if they're going to give out a couple of thousand dollars, I want my share of the wealth, rather than asking themselves, do you need it? Have you been affected? If you haven't, don't get into that line. Leave it for the people who need it. But when, but if you know that a million people are going through, man, some of these are going to slide through. They're just going to be rubber stamping everything, so I get mine. Yeah, and that's unfortunately an attitude that people have. Um, and I don't think they always realize that, well, a thousand here, a thousand there. But if we all did it, we would actually bankrupt our government. As it is, uh, we saw an, a story today from the Parliamentary Budget Office that they have projected the deficit that Justin Trudeau is going to run this year. They think it's going to be around $117 billion. $117 billion. His first four years in office. He didn't run a deficit of $100 billion, and this is 117. Now, it's extraordinary times, and uh, uh, Germany is going through this. France is going through this. The United States is borrowing $2 trillion, but they're not doing this just to have some fun. They're doing this to see what, what they have to do to get people through this. And most of those numbers that I've talked about, even the $117 billion, that's really under the worst-case scenario. If we only need the support for eight weeks, then you're only going to get it for eight weeks. You're not going to get 15 weeks of sort of paid holiday here. If, if your employer calls you back after eight weeks, you come back. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Chatting with Marvin Ryder about, well, the economy, what else, but about renting and about tenants and landlords because there has been talk, there's been a some kind of movement towards a rent strike 
that renters, that tenants would not pay their rent next month en masse. And there are groups now, organized groups saying we shouldn't do this. This is, we can't afford it. And Marvin, here's the thing though. So the government, the provincial government has said nobody is going to be evicted. You cannot evict anyone. And renters are saying, okay, we can't afford to pay. So we're not going to pay. Landlords say, but we have to pay our bills. Does the city have a role in this? Should the city right now, seeing where this friction is coming, say, you know what, no property taxes for the next month or two? Or like, how far does this go down the line? Well, it's one thing to uh, postpone. So I'm not sure if the city of Hamilton has done it. I I heard a story that they were thinking about doing it. My next property tax bill is due April 30th. And there was some talk about city council to say, why don't we have them submit that on May 31st? That would allow me to keep more money in my pocket, at least for the month of April, and then hopefully by May things start to get better and I will just be in a better position to make that kind of a payment. Now that makes a lot of sense to me. That, that's kind of logical. I would say to you that when the province said no one's going to be evicted because of this, but they're not giving people a carte blanche to do anything. If you set a fire in your apartment, if you start smoking indoors, well, what are you going to do? You can't evict me. Trust me, you'll be evicted. Uh, the province will very quickly change those rules if it's causing some unexpected behavior. We call that the law of unintended consequences. What they were trying to get at is that you're not going to be evicted if economically you can't make your payment. It's totally, totally different if you choose not to make a payment. Now, you're, now you are violating the rules, and if the government needs to clarify it, it will. Remember, a solution that you introduce on Monday can become a problem by Friday, mm. and it can be fixed the next Monday we get together. So the next step, and I don't want to drag this out too long, but you have landlords, and as you've said, not every landlord is a millionaire. Some are. This is their job, and they make what they make, and they try to get by with that. A landlord now uh, faces a group that decides it's not going to pay, and it can't pay its bills now and says, fine, we're shutting down. What then? Yeah, so if you don't mind, I'd rather not quite go down that road. I think the whole idea is let's see what comes of this and treat it as we need to. It's the same thing with COVID. Uh, The federal government, the provincial government are taking steps which they think are going to help mitigate the problems. Bill Morneau today in his press conference pointed out, I've never tried this before. Mm -hmm. I'm not an insightful individual who knows every last permutation and combination. If I do something and it doesn't have the desired effect, I might do more of it. So you might remember last week the federal government was going to subsidize wages for smaller businesses to the tune of 10%. Today they've increased that to 75%. And a nice reporter said, well, do you think that's enough? And Morneau said, well, I wouldn't have picked the number if I didn't think it was enough. (laughs) But if it turns out it's not the right number, we'll fix it. And I think that's what we have to understand. No one in history has ever attempted to slow down the economy the way we're doing now and then restart it. Remember, that's the whole plan. Restart it in a few months. We're going down some new roads. And I I have great tolerance for the government trying hard, leading with its heart, occasionally causing problems, and then we'll have to fix them on the fly. Fair enough. And part of the reason I asked the question was also to illustrate in in some sort of weird sense how everything is connected. You can't just throw a wrench into one part and expect everything else is going to carry on as would be normal. Let me ask you a different question altogether now. We have heard a lot recently about price gouging, and even the Premier called out a a ma and pa shop, I think it was, yesterday in Toronto for gouging people. Where's the line between profit and gouge? 
Well, if, if I am um, uh, selling you an item, last week I sold you a bottle of water for a dollar, then suddenly there's a big announcement that we're short on water. My costs haven't changed at all, but suddenly I say, well, if you're short on water, how about $5 for this bottle? That, that's, of course, the old law of supply and demand. If the de- supply has been cut, why can't I make a dollar on this? And I don't think anyone is upset with a business who makes a reasonable return on their investment. But when you saw people, for instance, rushing out to Costco, buying up every last roll of toilet paper, yesterday on eBay I saw a six-pack of Costco toilet paper being sold for $70. Seven-zero, dollars <laughs> That's 10 bucks a roll. Come on, people. That's not right. It's one thing to buy it for $5, and if you want to turn around and sell it to your neighbor for 6 and that covers your gas and your time and what have you, okay, I don't mind that. But when you take a $5 roll and make it $70, you're only trying to cash in, and that is wrong. In this case, it was a um, small grocery store, but a high-end grocery store in Toronto. They were selling Lysol wipes for $29.99 a package. Regularly, you could buy them for $3.99. Uh, you know, that tells you volumes about that store, and I'll tell you, they might make a couple of bucks during this, but most people are going to take a look at that and say, I'm going to take my business as someone who's not gouging. Marvin Ryder, uh, listen, appreciate all your help, not just on this show, but on all the shows this week. I appreciate you doing it, and thanks for taking a few minutes tonight. Always glad to help out, Scott. We will take a quick break here on the Scott Radley Show. Uh, When we come back, who has caught your attention during this whole thing, for better or for worse? Who's the person who are people who have really improved in your eyes, and who are the people you look at and go, you are the worst people around for what you're doing as a result of this. We'll do that next. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. This situation, this coronavirus situation, this lockdown, this, well, you know what it all is. Uh, it, It has created some interesting dynamics. It has created some interesting heroes, and it has created some interesting villains. There are people that I think we probably today think more highly of, and there are people today, whether by name or by just job description, think less highly of. There's nobody who has been working harder on this and doing a better job covering this whole thing every day from 9 till 12 right here on 900 CHML than Bill Kelly, host of The Bill Kelly Show. He joins me now. Bill, how are you? I'm doing just fine. Friday night, man. We're living the dream. This is great. You know, and now that they've got you all hooked up with the home office, it sounds like you're sitting right next to me. This is uh, this is terrific. Uh, pretty much, yes. Pretty much. This is a neat little th- I feel like MacGyver, you know. I, I took a ball of string and some SOS pads to create an antenna, and bingo, we've got my own stuff here. I, I don't know how they do this, but it's, it's really marvelous, the technology that they're using these days. I, I hate to break this to you, but if you were that handy, you should have been finding a way to invent toilet paper from the house, and you would have made a lot more money. Let me tell you something. Uh, I was out of town today. I was up in Barrie, uh, and we had to go and pick some stuff up for our daughter, who's uh, who's you know self quarantined. Uh, we went into a local store there. There are rows and rows of toilet paper. Now I'm just telling your listeners, it's an only two hour drive to Barrie, but it's worth the drive to Barrie. I'm telling you. If you've got a tender butt, you need soft toilet paper. There you go. Lots of toilet paper. I, I've I've not seen truthfully. Now I have not been out all that much. I haven't seen. Shortages, I know they are. I know this story hasn't been made up, but I mean, I uh, the only the only time I've really, I mean, I've seen pictures. That's it. But every every store I've gone into, which probably counts for three in the past two weeks, there's always been toilet paper there. 
Well, there's a local grocery store that you and I both pop right into from time to time, and, and they've had some empty shelves on a couple of different things. And, and there are some particular areas, I guess canned goods and things like this. And, and yeah, the TP row is, is barren a lot of the time we go down there, which is not to say that it, it's never there. I guess it just sells out pretty quickly. But you know what? We're getting by. I mean, after the idiotic rush that went on there the first little couple of days, I guess, four or five days, uh, and some stores got smart and started putting some limits on things like that. Um, it's. I, I think we're getting some sense of this that okay, we're in this for the long haul. Let's not be greedy. Let's. Uh, there's always going to be some people that just cross the line, um, you know. And, and you know, the, the well, you mentioned Pusateri's. And, and by the way, you could have tripled the price of stuff at Pusateri's, and most of the people that shop there never would have noticed. <laughs> it's it's a, it's it's in Yorkville. I mean, you know where it is, Scott. And uh, people are expecting to pay high prices there. But God bless them for trying to you know gouge people. But you know, <laughs> that doesn't happen that often. Wait, you think uh, I know where well, it is? You think I'm familiar with Yorkville? <laughs> <laughs> back back in the days when people were walking around in tie-dyed t-shirts maybe maybe yes maybe maybe and, and you know the other thing is just for anyone we'll move off toilet paper here but for anyone who really Good. is still stuck the weather is getting warmer as long as you've got a garden hose, you have a homemade bidet. So, I mean, you're, you you're go. good to go and as soon as the net weather turns nice. Yep. Uh, Bill, these kind a, of a things... A bidet makes it a good day. Well, just wait till dark so the neighbors aren't shocked. Yeah, uh, the, exactly. These kind of situations bring out the best and the worst in people. We've seen examples of both of those over the last number of days. I know that, um, you know, I, I want to be kind... Uh, for example, to this 18-year-old McDonald's worker in Hamilton who wrote the fake doctor's note and got the whole restaurant shut down. I want to be kind, although I think a lot of people are saying, okay, there's the worst. But uh, where, who have you, who have been the things or who have been the people who you've looked at in this thing, generally or specifically, and you've said, those people, man, they have risen in my estimation, and those people have mm, not so much. Well, because there are sadly examples of that, and I, I agree with you. I mean, this is as an 18-year-old. If you wanted to be, just call in sick, you know, you don't do that. Shut down the store. Come on. Uh, the other one was the Tim Hortons. How do we always hear these bad stories about Tim Hortons? And I think this was up in British Columbia, wasn't it, Scott? Uh, where some people that were starting to feel kind of crappy and uh, thought they might have symptoms of, of COVID, uh, and they got an email from the boss saying, "I expect you to be in. I don't care how you're feeling." Uh, the sensitivity training, I think, should be part of this, as well as you know how to stack the donuts up. Uh, so that, those sorts of people, you figure, come on, people, understand the realization of what's going on here. But the easy mark here when we talk about the ones who impress me, of course, are the people in the medical field uh, who are working overtime. And we've seen this in, in different cities uh, all over North America right now where actually people will line up and applaud the healthcare workers, the nurses and the doctors as they come off shift or go on shift, as the case might be, because they're doing incredible work right now. Uh, I heard today, uh, I was listening to a station from Boston, uh, driving back from uh, from Barrie, and... Uh, That's a shock. Apparently, the, 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 well, yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> you know, what, I was waiting for the Red Sox game to come That's on, right. who told, you know, but anyway... Uh, apparently the, the staff at Mass General are working for no salary right now. They're just doing this shift after shift after shift because of the influx of, of the, the, the number of cases that are coming in. Uh, and that's that's the kind of dedication that we're seeing. And, and that's just one story. There are probably a thousand others just like this. First responders, you know, paramedics, people of, of that ilk, police, fire, uh, who are putting themselves on the line. I mean, when somebody's starting to feel lousy or having symptoms, or uh, you don't know, and you don't know who you're going to find, and you don't know what symptoms they may or may not have, but they're still out there. And uh, sadly, some of them are, are, are contracting the disease at the same time, the virus at the same time. It's, it's, it's kind of frightening. You and I talked about this the other day. It's, it's almost like we're, we're playing a role in a, in a bad sci-fi movie about this sort of stuff. And we've all seen these things over the last number of years, you know, these, these movies about, you know, how what people get wiped out and it's terrible. But it's happening now. 
and it's it's really kind of strange to see this. I, I mentioned that, you know, going up to Barrie today, usually the highways on a Friday afternoon are jam-packed. It's gridlock. Uh, you could play ball hockey on some of the highways. It was so The traffic was so light. So people are getting the message, which is, I guess, a good thing. I, I, I also, and you know, I joked about this a couple of weeks ago, and look, I, I can take that back because I was, you know, you don't usually say, oh, the person who stocks the shelves at the grocery store is a hero. Uh, you know, I, like I gotta, I gotta give some credit at this point. Those people who are, especially the, the ones who are getting themselves in between angry customers who are fighting over stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, hats off to them. I, again, I, I, I have a hard time throwing the word hero around because in my mind, the hero is the f- police officer or firefighter who ran up the stairs in nine eleven, or a soldier who fought in a war. And once you've established that as the baseline, it's hard to throw that word around liberally but you know hats off to those people for doing what they're doing and being out there yeah but you got people in the healthcare field right now in hospitals who are literally working like 24 hours i mean they may get an hour off and go and put their head down but that's right back up after that i mean they haven't left the facility and i would count in, them in, in that. some of them in days and i would exactly. use the word for that i'm sure for, for that i would absolutely and who are exposing themselves to this at great risk to themselves absolutely i would i would use that word it's just well, we're gonna take a break we're gonna come back but i the word hero sure. to me it has such a strong connotation that i'm i'm loath to give it too liberally maybe that's my own flop you're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We're talking about the the people who have stood out and the people who have stood down, I guess, is the way in uh, in in this whole crisis. Uh, by the way, CNN has a story on their website, and the three people, the three examples they give at the beginning, there was a woman in an Australian supermarket who pulled a knife over toilet paper on a guy. Uh, in uh, In London... A Singaporean student of Chinese Chinese ethnicity was beaten up and left with a fractured face. And protesters on the Indian Ocean Island of Reunion <laughs> welcomed cruise passengers by hurling abuse and rocks at them. So, you know, it, it's not all smiles and chuckles and Bobby McFerrin around the world with this coronavirus thing going on. But, Bill, as we were just saying before the break, there are those just average, and, and again, that's not even a fair word, but, you know, just average people who have really established themselves or shown themselves to be the best of us in this time. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's the fear, and it's a real fear. I mean, this is a serious thing that we're dealing with, notwithstanding the fact that some politicians don't seem to understand that gravity. But, you know, people are dying, and, and this is rotten. And even if you don't die, uh, it's a pretty rough ride. I've talked to uh, Anthony Farnell, of course, uh, from Global News, the, the weather specialist, the meteorologist that uh, was on the show the other day. And he contracted this when he was over in uh, in Europe uh, skiing in February. And uh, he told me, I mean, he's recovering finally. Uh, people who watch Global National and Global News know that he's, he's doing the weather from his back balcony now. But for the longest time there, he says, I, I was in rough shape. And, you know, it's really, this is not just a flu. If you get the full force of this thing. Uh, and, of course, there are people that have uh, pre-existing conditions. And there are so many of them. And the whole thing about this, Scott, is we've talked... Yeah, so many times about this. So now you have on your show too. You don't know who's beside you, and you don't know what their medical condition is. You know, if somebody has scleroderma, or somebody has uh, heart disease, or so, you can't tell sometimes by looking at them. But if if you have the bug, or if you're carrying it, and you give it to them, they could die. I mean, that's how serious this stuff is. And there are some people that do understand the gravity of this. And 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 you're right. I mean, you know, the retail stores that are still open. Grocery stores, uh, the LCBO, of course, and, and, and a few others. Anybody who's been in there in the last couple of days, all of them, you notice now they've got the floors marked off. This is where you stand when you're in line. All right, six feet away. Don't go any further than this. 
And uh, and I saw that the other day where actually the cashier said, back, back, over there. Uh, so they're enforcing this. And I know that some people say, oh, come on. But that's what you have to do in situations like that. And that may seem like an ins- insignificant thing. But if you're a clerk in a store, you're not paid to do, to, to, you know, security. But they're doing it anyway. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're at the store. I mean, they've got the face masks and plastic up in some of the cashiers right now, too. Everybody is stepping up because they do understand this. And that's that's one of the things that I'm really gratified to see. I mean, that, that when we know that, okay, we all have to do our part. And, uh, you know, I, I, I by the way, the other, we were talking about some of the people that we need to salute here. And obviously, I, I, I agree with your assessment of heroes. But these are just great people that are doing great things. Healthcare workers, first uh, responders and things of this nature. I got a lot of time for the companies that are still paying their employees, even after they yep. say go home because there's no work here. Uh, you know, it, it's it, that's that's a, a big, big thing to do to tell, tell somebody, look, at, we believe in you. You're part of our family, not just an employee. And and there are a few employers around here in the Hamilton area that are doing that as well. You know, there's not a whole lot to do there. They, 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 some of them come in. Some of them just don't come in. Uh, but they're still going to get a salary because they understand, the people that run those companies understand that if we don't do that, look at the precarious position we're putting them in. Maybe they're the people that can't pay their mortgage or can't pay that rent or can't pay that hydro bill or whatever. We all know what, what the financial crunch that we're coming into right now. Yep. Uh, those people those people have stepped up. I was talking to a lawyer today who was doing that for her employees despite the fact that there's no work mm-hmm. to be done. So. Um, one other group that I want to point to, and you know, look, over the last number of weeks, and I said yesterday on the show, it seems like a lot longer than two weeks ago that we were having heavy discussions about teachers and teacher strikes and teachers' actions. That was the most important thing in the world just two weeks ago. Seems a lot further back. Any, There are a bunch of teachers who, despite the fact that in some cases the unions have told them, don't do anything online with your students, don't have anything to do with it, who have said, you know what, no, no, the students are stuck at home. I'm going to get online and I'm going to start doing some stuff and helping those kids. I have all the time in the world for those teachers because those teachers, to me, are the ones who are the teachers that we remember as kids or we hope to, that were the ones who are doing it 100% for the reasons that they say they got into teaching for. And I applaud them wholeheartedly. You know something. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the teachers in in our system are like that anyway. They, you know they may not be, be doing that overtly, but they're always there. They're always you know. Can I help you out with this and that? Yep. Uh, you know the characterization that these people get in there at eight twenty-five and leave at three oh one is is really total BS. It doesn't really happen. It's always going to be one or two like that, but they're like that in every profession. But they care about the kids. By the way, I just want to mention one thing too because I got into a rather uh, interesting discussion uh, online with a, a listener who said, aha, see, online learning is not so bad after all. And I said, look, please understand, we're doing it because it's the only option, not because it's the best choice. Uh, you know, Anybody except Stephen Lecce probably understands that this is not the best thing for the students, and it's going to be taxing for them. But again, they've stepped up. And by the way, good food. We can talk about the city here, too. Uh, you know, offering free daycare to people that have to go in, city employees that have to go in. It's thinking outside the box and saying this is something we wouldn't ordinarily do, uh, but these are extraordinary circumstances, and we have to take extraordinary measures. And a lot of employers, including the city, are starting to do that. And I really hope, we got to go, unfortunately, I really hope that when this is done, that we don't go immediately just snap back to where we were in every way, but we maybe take a post-mortem on this one and say, what were some of the things we did that worked even better out of necessity? Because there are some ideas coming out, Bill, right now. I say we got to run, but there are some ideas that I think maybe we want to look at doing full-time when this is all done. We'll see. Absolutely, absolutely. Scotty, have a great night. You too. Have a great weekend, Bill. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Uh, let us take Wash a break. Hands. Yeah, I'll, I'll be doing that right now. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
So I saw this weird little nugget today, and it fit in with something, as I said a moment ago, that I thought was going to go one way. But with all this time on our hands and all this quiet seemingly to fill, because, you know, quiet is nice, but at some point you don't just want to be sitting in absolute zen quietness unless you're a monk or something. I mean, you you want music. We like music. We love music. And so you figure, okay, there's quiet to fill. We're going to put on some music. I thought the online streaming services, the music streaming, Spotify or iTunes, or I thought they were going to be busting at the seams. I thought the amount of streaming that was going to be going on would be through the roof. Well, I'm wrong. I'm shocked, but I'm wrong. No, I'm not shocked that I'm wrong. I'm wrong a lot, but I'm shocked that I'm wrong in this one. Uh, they, studies are being done. MBW, which is Music Business Worldwide, which is a website, has been looking. The uh, Spotify is down 11% in the last week. 11%. So is nobody listening to music? Is nobody listening to anything? No, that's not it either. Um, it's radio. And this is not a plug for radio, even though I'm working on radio and I'm talking to you on a radio station. This is not a... You know, hey, way to go radio kind of thing. I'm not I'm not just trying to pat ourselves in the back. It's I just find it fascinating that when things are difficult, people seem to return to what's familiar or I don't know. I don't know why exactly. Alan Cross is a fantastic music writer and expert in this field. We love having him on. He's the man behind a journal of musical things. You can find that online. Uh, he joins us. Alan, thanks for doing this today. Oh, you're welcome. I've got Honestly, nothing else. <laughs> like <laughs> everybody else. That's, uh, that is a common refrain. Why do you think this is happening? Because I, I don't know if you th- expected the same I did. I thought streaming on music would go through the roof. Why do you think people are turning to the radio instead? You know, I, I was 100% with you. I was expecting that we would see new records of streams uh, everywhere in the world because people were locked in and they would gravitate to music to make themselves feel better. Well, no, that's that's not what happens. A couple of things. First of all, people are streaming things other than music. Uh, if you are locked in, chances are you spent a lot of time going through Netflix. Yes. So that is where some of your streaming time is going. If you're watching Tiger King or Babylon <laughs> Berlin or uh, Ozark Season 3 started today, you know, a lot of people have, have gravitated over to streaming video. In fact, uh, the internet is, is under a lot of strain right now because of all this streaming video. I, I read that 60%, Bell has seen a 60% increase in their network traffic, and Spotify, or sorry, Netflix uh, Canada has had to downgrade the resolution of a lot of their stuff here in Canada by about 25% just to free up some bandwidth. That's how many people are watching. So that's one thing. They're watching other things too. They're watching YouTube. They're uh, you know playing with TikTok. They're online with uh, Instagram and all that other kind of stuff. If you're locked in, you'll find something to do. But you're right about radio. And uh, the point I've always made about streaming is that while it is extraordinarily cool, extremely convenient, and just way too much fun to. Uh, uh, to, to ever imagine living without again. It is audio without context. You have a stream of songs going in one ear and out the other, 
with no one there to tell you why any of, of this matters. And a stream cannot tell you what's happening right now down the street in a time of crisis. I, I know a woman named Valerie who works in the music, uh, the uh, radio industry, and she coaches a lot of news people. And she hammers into their head that the first thing anyone wants to know when they turn on the radio is, is it safe? And if it's not safe, what do I have to do to be safe? And that's what we can do because we're operating live in real time. Uh, if you want to know, you know what the latest COVID-19 news is, you're not going to go to a stream. You're not going to go to Netflix. You're not going to go to... You know, Instagram or, or, you know, your buddies on Facebook necessarily, you're going to go to the radio. It's, uh, and, you know, and that certainly, and we're, we love that here on CHML. We love that that happens. But also, I mean, they're saying that a lot of the people who would have been streaming music radio is also now where they are going as well. It's not just news talk, although heaven, you know, heaven forbid you leave us. We'd love to have you here all the time, but people are going and listening to music. Somehow it seems, for whatever reason, music on the radio seems to have a mollifying or a comforting effect. And, you know, it got me thinking that when I was a kid, and I'm sure you are, with what you do for a living, I'm sure radio and music was a formative part of your life. But why was it that when you hear or when you heard or when you hear a song on the radio, for one reason or another, it always is more exciting and better than when you hear it on your own DVD or CD or record or tape or streaming thing. If you hear it on the radio, it's way better. Because it comes up unexpectedly. Because you weren't, uh, you know, you did not decide at that moment you wanted to hear that song. Somebody else did. And that's either a pleasant surprise or it's not. But in either either case, it's like, oh, oh okay. Uh, somebody decided that it was time for me to hear this this particular song, which is, which is good. The other thing, too, is that you have uh, announcers, live people, human beings around these songs, giving you that human touch that, you know, if you are quarantined after coming back from Jamaica or a spring break or something, and you can't leave the house, you want a friendly voice or somebody that, that, that provides a little bit of comfort with their you know, familiarity or whatever you want to call it, just to make you feel a little bit better. And this, you know, that's what radio has been doing since the 1920s. Is it too corny, Alan, to say that, um, I don't know, that there's a sense of community that if you listen to the radio, you know other people are listening to the same thing you are, whereas if you're streaming, you know you're the only one listening? Is that too corny? 100%. No, 100%. I think that's a very good thing because you're all in this together. Uh, you're all getting the same news at the same time from a reputable source. And you can act accordingly. Uh, you can, you, you, even though you are not necessarily in touch with anybody at that point, you know that everybody who is listening has the same information as you, and that makes you feel a little bit better. It is. It, it's always been a surprise to me because I remember growing up as a kid. I grew up in Toronto, and uh, at the time I was growing up, CFTR was the top forty station. Was one of the top forty stations, and I think it was every Saturday. They would have their top 40 or top 30 countdown. And you would tune in hoping you hadn't missed whatever song it was that you really wanted to hear, even though you did own that probably on cassette or on a record. And there was a feeling of almost triumph if you heard it on the radio. It just, as I said a moment ago, it sounded better than it did if you just played it yourself, even though you could play it anytime you wanted to. 
Yeah, there was a certain amount of validation there. That's a good where, word. Yeah, because, oh, it's uh, I like it, and it's good enough to be on the radio. Therefore, my taste must be very good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you know, I, I had the same sort of thing. Uh, on I grew up in, in the Winnipeg area, and every Saturday I would turn to the Winnipeg Free Press, and they published the top 40 charts of one of the stations in, in, uh, in, in Winnipeg. And it was always, you know, I either took it as a – as, as like an insult when a song I hated was at number one on the chart <laughs> or this glorious sense of vindication when a song that I like from a band I like reached number one on the charts. It's a, you know, people forget it. If you, I guess if you were, uh, you know, those, those top 40 charts, top 20 charts, top 100, whatever. I mean, they used to be such a big, big part of our lives when we, the radio people were the ones who determined who heard what, when, now it's a little bit different because everybody's their own music director. You can listen to whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you happen to be on whatever device you happen to have. Um, you know, there, there could be, and I'm looking at some statistics here right now in front of me. This is out of the United States. Uh, I would imagine that uh, it is reasonably close to what's happening here in Canada. But uh, 8 out of 10 people are reporting listening to the radio more these days in the time of crisis. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, you know, and this is going to be up to us as, as radio people, I'm wondering if we can somehow uh, use this opportunity to educate a new generation of people about what it is that we do. Uh, People under the age of 25 are gravitating away to uh, other forms of online, uh, other forms of entertainment. Radio is not nearly as big as it used to be because there are just so many other choices out there. Uh, I'm wondering if this would be an opportunity for, for us to somehow say, look, this is what we do. We do it really well. And, uh, although you may have ignored us up until this point, uh, we'd like, love to have you on board as listeners. You know, when you mentioned just a moment ago that uh, you would take it as a personal affront if some song or band you hated was at number one, there was also this sense, especially if like Casey Kasem was do- doing the introduction, that when he would announce that Duran Duran had taken over first place, that somehow they were sitting there really happy that they were now passing Britney Spears or whoever the heck they had taken over from, that this was a triumph for them, that they were sitting by the radio just waiting to hear that they had taken top spot. But one of the, you know, one of the interesting things is back in the day, yeah, that's the way it was. If you were, you know, anywhere in the top uh, 20 on the Billboard album charts, uh, you were, you were pretty chuffed at your, at your success. Uh, If you were in the top 10, well, that was something else. If you're in the top five, wow, uh, you were definitely on your way to being a star. It shouldn't, and the funny part is of all this, it shouldn't, it shouldn't under, in modern times with, again, the access we have to streaming services and everything, it shouldn't work. And yet at Christmas season or in the holidays or whenever else, or when there's an anniversary, you'll hear a radio station do their top 100 of all time rock and roll songs or whatever. And People will sit there and listen to hear what song is coming, even if they know what song is coming. Or if before a commercial break, they give you a tease of what's coming, you could go and stream that and you wouldn't have to wait 15 minutes for that song to pop up. And yet you will stick around and listen to it. Yeah, I know. I don't understand it, but it works. It works. And uh, please, uh, people, if that describes you, please keep doing it because uh, our livelihoods depend on it. Uh, You know, it's it's like what they used to do, uh, still do sometimes. Uh, you know, the top 500 songs of rock songs of all time over a uh, Labor Day weekend, yep, for example. Yep. And you knew that number one was going to be probably... Hey Jude. 
<laughs> or Hey Jude or Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, that's or, right. Or, you know, there, there's like half a dozen songs <laughs> it could have been. And But somehow, each time you listen to that, that countdown, you were always surprised <laughs> at what finished at number one. Yeah, and if they and if they decided to do something really stupid and drop a song in there, as you said a moment ago, that had no business being in the top ten, you'd be enraged for the rest of the day that that idiot station had decided to say that whatever song it was that you hated was now the number one song of all time. You, they probably, I, I bet they got letters, lots I of letters. Remember uh, my rock station of choice back in, I guess it was nineteen, I guess nineteen eighty or eighty one. Uh, and they kept the chart, the final year-end chart, a big secret, so they forced you to listen. And I remember, I guess it was 11 o'clock or something that night on New Year's Eve or whatever it was, and they announced that the number one song of the year was In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Great guitar solo, or drum solo. And I I remember <laughs> screaming at the radio, going, no, no, this can't be. It uh, it had that effect, but look, as I say, it's uh, it is stunning to me. I I don't know, and I don't know. I'm hoping that, as you say, maybe this is a moment that people reflect and they go, you know what? There's something to be said for streaming, and there's something to be said for live radio too. Uh, I don't know if the moment lasts in the way it is right now, but streams down 11 percent, and radio numbers apparently during this coronavirus shooting upwards. Um, that's a fascinating thing. It's, it's the exact opposite of, of what I expected. Same with Alan Cross. Alan, really appreciate you taking some time to talk about this. Always appreciate you coming on here. Have a great weekend. You too. Do your best. That is, uh, I don't know, did you expect that? Would you? If I had said at the start of this what we were going to talk about and said that streams of music, music streaming would be down right now, would you have said you would have expected that or not? I would have said no chance. No chance. Because... As Alan pointed out very accurately, streaming of video is through the roof. People aren't watching broadcast TV all that much. They're streaming stuff. But with music, it's for whatever reason is the opposite. And I don't know if it's a fallback to a comfort food that has been where you were and what you did in the past. It was that you've always done it. Or if it's the idea of community or whatever. But it is uh, is a fascinating twist that I never saw coming. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.